Welcome to Fantasy Focus Football. Today's show is presented by Geico. Switch to Geico. See all the ways that you could save. My name is Daniel Dobb. Joined here as I am on every Tuesday by Stefania Bell and Fields Yates. Stefania, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Good, good you know to what? My team won this weekend. They won the weekend. Is that because... Wait. Oh, the 49ers because they didn't play. They got to rest and yes. get healthy. Oh. That's how they won. Right, right, right. right, right, mm, right got right. it. So I'm feeling very positive about what's going to happen. Yeah, you got a little bit of rest in you as well, so that you're able to come back, be fully healthy here. Yeah. Fields, what about you? How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Daniel. Yeah, I was thinking about it. Like, there are probably broadcasters that have had a front row seat to some of the greatest athletes for the entirety of their career. Like, I'd imagine it's pretty sweet right now to be the Lakers play-by-play guy for their local TV station. And you get to witness greatness every single day. That's kind of what it feels like when I show up to work on Tuesdays. Wow. Right, so... Thank you, Stefania, for being here on a Tuesday. Thank you, I, no, I, I, You owe me nothing. I'm not, I'm not trying to get something out of, out of this. No, there's nothing I need. There is nothing I need right now. I, I'm just, I just wanted to state the facts here as we enter week 10 of the NFL season. Did you realize that right now, there's, no, there's nothing. There's nothing I need right here. I, just, I, just, I don't know either. I, I, I arrive in truth. By the way, okay. did you know that at this moment, we are now exactly halfway through the NFL season? Mm, yes. Regular season, that is. Yes. Because yes. your teams will be playing in the playoffs, both the Lions and the 49ers. Let's hope. Yeah, fingers crossed, Field. Let's hope. Yeah. Look at you guys. Look, what is Come it? On. You and you guys, Mike, yeah. Mike's like, you know, the uh, you know the Eagles, you know, they've been they've been really tested recently. I'm a little concerned about some of their death. I'm like, they're 8-1. I've got you guys, six and and two. I do feel good about this. I think the NFC West scored six points offensively this weekend. I think that's that actually... I think it was literally. Yes, I think it was six points. Three, yeah. three, zero. I know the Niners can do. Wait, that's the stat that. of the day right there. Oh I my know. Gosh. You like that little nugget? Yeah, I that's a right there. great <laughs> stat. Yeah. You should use that. Um, yeah. That's an awesome stat. Yeah, uh, you should tweet that. Unless you are a fan of the NFC West, in which case it is. Not well, as I'm a fan of the NFC West. So what I'm saying is, I think I'm going to bet that we can produce more than six points this weekend. So we I would bet that, too. There are probably, so there, there must have been at least one defense that outscored the entire NFC West from this past week. Uh, two pick there's sixes. probably a bunch. Uh, yeah, the Chiefs Kenny defense Moore. outscored yeah. right? the At, entire, the, Kenny Moore. Colts defense, yeah. Two, wow. Yeah, two had pick sixes. twice as many points yeah. scored yeah. as the entire NFC West. Look, look how That's a you guys stat right think there. this morning. Yeah. Dude, critically. Also, shout out to Kenny Moore. His sisters were in attendance for that game, yeah. which was I think so one of them was fun. a twin, right? Yes. That's awesome. Like a really cool, cool story. That's one yeah. of those cool stories you hear about as you're watching the games on Sunday, which was very fun. All right, let's dive in. We got a big show for you guys today. We are talking Monday Night Football recap. We've got the injury reports. Stefania's going to set us straight on. We've got waivers to make sure that we get into. And we got a little bit of risers and fallers heading into week 10 yeah. based on what we have seen now that we are halfway through the season, like you said, Field to Stefania. We're going to lead right in with the injury report, starting with... Are we? Are we doing any I'm recap? so sorry. We're going to lead right in I with mean, Monday Night Football. Look, I forgot about it already, too, because it was wow. not a very memorable game. Wow. But, I mean, Daniel, it we got to at least acknowledge two teams took the field. Two teams did at least take the field. It <laughs> yeah. felt like only one team and one defense took the field. The offense for the Jets mm. looked very bad Oof. again this week. 27-6 to six was the score, and it didn't feel that exciting. Like the Chiefs, no. the Chargers 27 did not feel like a fun 27. This was a grinded out, not very exciting game. Well, let's talk a little bit more about how those 27 points were scored, Daniel. Yeah. Because well, one Austin of them, Eckler had three touchdowns, uh, one two. of which yeah, counted. Yeah. Yes. 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 We ended up getting the second one, though. We did end up having two that counted. But right, it was the, right. there was one drive right. in uh, which the uh, Chargers forced a turnover, returned it to the one-yard line, yep. and then it took them three separate Austin Eckler touchdowns to actually have a successful touchdown. But that's how you do it, Arthur Smith. That's right. <laughs> Stop it. Uh, the Chargers had a punt return for a touchdown yes, they did. plus a one-yard touchdown drive. So this was basically a 13-6 to game in terms of actual offensive output. Yep. The Jets defense, I truly would like to be on a, fl- a fly on the wall one day in the Jets locker room when the defense just lets its thoughts off its chest. <laughs> because the Jets defense is Super Bowl caliber. It's outstanding. They completely neutralized that Chargers offense, including Justin Herbert, for his worst game of the season by far. Yes, Austin Eckler found the end zone twice, had a great fantasy night, and Keenan Allen did Keenan Allen ridiculous things last oh, night. Congrats to Keenan Allen, by the way, on yeah, 10,000 yards. Over 10,000 yeah. receiving oh, yards. But uh, the Jets defense stymied this Chargers offense 
for the most part, under yeah. 200 total yards. It was just very saturated, these two players. So those guys were no worse for the wear. This Jets defense is absolutely brilliant. They completely dominated the Chargers in basically every way, and yet they still lost 27-6 to because this offense for the Jets is utterly pathetic. Let's really? recount the last four games, and this is the Jets' <laughs> offensive output. They scored a touchdown on a one-play, Brees Hall sprints into the end zone touchdown. Yep. Like a 75-yarder. Yep. Uh, they had another game in which they scored a touchdown on a one-play drive. It was an eight-yard touchdown by Brees Hall in which the Eagles let him score. Yeah. On purpose. Yes. They were like, yes. you walked right, into right, the end right. zone. And yeah. then they had another drive in which Brees Hall scored a touchdown on a 50-yard screen pass. One play. The Jets haven't scored. I saw the stat last night in the middle of the game, and it's gotten worse, obviously, because they did not find the end zone again last night. Yep. The Jets have gone, at the time, they'd gone 34 straight drives without scoring a touchdown on a drive that began in their own territory. So other than their defense, basically setting the offense up for a simple field goal, this offense is terrible. Here's my thought, and we can talk about Garrett Wilson here in a second because his target share is insane is one of the big storylines when the Jets lost Aaron Rodgers, would they make some sort of move to acquire a player to replace Aaron Rodgers? And it seemed like the Jets pushback was twofold. One, we really believe in Zach Wilson. I have no idea why that's the case because he might be the worst starting quarterback in the NFL. Two, hey, bringing a guy in, acclimating to the system, you know, like (laughs) that's a hard thing to do in the system during the season. Meanwhile, Josh Dobbs doesn't practice. And has Doesn't a great know the names of some of his teammates yet. Yeah. The teammate, the owner, the owner of the game is like, hi, I'm Ziggy. Josh <laughs> is like, who? Like, and you can tell that I, I don't even know if Josh Jobs knew that that meant like he was like, hey, I'm Ziggy. I'm the owner of the, the team. Owner of the he team. might have thought that was like the director of security that could have been the, the, you know, the number one doctor on the team. He may have no idea. So if I'm a Jets fan right now, I'm just wondering. Again, I, I wouldn't have paid full freight. I wouldn't have traded the first round pick for somebody else. But is there really nobody? that you could have found somewhere, be it via trade or on for, on the free agent market, that could maybe give you a little bit more life than Zach Wilson? Hmm. Disaster. Huh. Disaster. How pathetic this Jets offense is last night. Once again. And Garrett Wilson is just being left out in the cold. A star player who look at his target share. I'm going to pull this up because I, I thought I had it written down and I didn't. I do that a lot these days, it seems. Well, well he had 13, 13 last night. 13 in this game. Okay, yeah, yeah. And look at this. But look at the numbers oh, of late pieces. for Garrett Wilson. This is absurd. His targets over the past five games, 13, 13, 12, 7, 14. Think about that number of targets that I just mentioned over five games. He scored zero touchdowns. He has one game with 100 yards. It was exactly 100 yards last week. Wow. Can you imagine seeing like 12 targets a game and turning that into like 70 yards per game and zero touchdowns? That's not Garrett Wilson's fault at all, by the way. It just sucks. So Garrett Wilson's ceiling will continue to be tapped. We can't rank him inside the top 10 of our wide receivers, even with maybe the NFL's best target share week in and week out right now. That's unreal, actually. It's unreal. Like, to get that kind of volume. 26, here's what 38, sorry, 45. It kind of feels like... Fifty-nine targets, over twelve the past targets five games. per game over the past five games. So here's the thing: Garrett Wilson needs to be that guy, kind of like we do in bowling when we draw bowling leagues. We're like, there's just a handicap on it. If Garrett Wilson gets like thirteen targets, because of how bad the quarterback play is, he should get like an extra two and a half points for every ten targets that he gets. Great call. I, I need to stop. It needs to stop being about production and start being about like they're trying to get him involved. Let's just live there because that's about as good as we're getting right now in the passing game here from the Jets. It's so frustrating. The poor guy. He got thirteen fantasy points last night. He did fumble. So. Don't love the that. number could have been worse. I could have been better, I should say. But he's a top 20 wide receiver <laughs> for the week. Think about what that required. 13 targets just to get to wide receiver 20. Do you know how they say rising tide lifts all boats? Uh, I think yeah. I think a tide that's, you know, the, the tide that is sinking yes, <laughs> right. sinks it's all ships. All like yes. Everybody yeah. is brought down. I mean, Brees Hall looks amazing mm-hmm. when he's running, but... And, and like you said, he's been the only one who's been able to score. 
But even then, he's been capped by the offense as a whole. It, it is requiring because of the offensive line also stinks. And oh, because the offensive, yeah. because teams are saying, yeah, go ahead, beat us, Zach Wilson. Well, they, 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 that's, I blame that on what they were doing in the preseason, too, because they were rotating. They, they, they did have some injury questions, but those guys never even played together. Mm. And it was just a mess yeah. up front. And they went into the season with the offensive line. There was no way they were going to get better. Yeah. So what sucks about this is that basically in the case of either of these two stars, our players, truly, like if I had to do my dynasty ranks or my ranks for 2024 and beyond for these two players as it pertains to dynasty, yep. assuming there was an actual quarterback on this offense, I think to myself, Brees Hall, top five. Mm-hmm. Garrett Wilson, probably top eight, right, at worst. These two guys need a miracle big play to have a top 12 or 10 finish in a given week. Now, Brees Hall is about as prone as any running back in the NFL to get there, but when he doesn't, you saw what it looked like last night. It's not his fault. Nope. They're Definitely failed. not. They're being failed. It stinks. Definitely not his fault. Yeah. And it is frustrating because I'm totally with you. Everything that you're talking about feel that don't really know what to do about it. Other than the fact that like I'm at the I'll point tell you what to do. If you can grab the Raiders defense on waivers tonight, grab them, grab them because they play the Raiders this upcoming week. See that. One? Oh, and the Raiders, I would say are trending up yeah, certainly they're... emotionally. And, and look, they, they look fantastic. They look like a team yeah. when you make a change that makes a positive impact across uh, the If you're champing at the bit for more Jets offensive football, good news. You get them this Sunday night in primetime once again. Oh, that's super exciting. And by the way, in two more weeks during Black Friday. Best part about this game, I think, was being able to talk with Arnold and his donkey. I think the whole time on the Manning cast. That was good. That yeah. was like probably was my awesome. favorite part. Actually, the best part there was Arnold called the Austin Eckler touchdown. Oh my gosh. And then they were like, Peyton like, lost his Peyton mind. Peyton lost his mind because he was like, this can't come off the board. <laughs> Nobody wanted to take Arnold's prediction down. <laughs> yeah. So they were like, this has to happen. That was the most phenomenal sequence of plays. I loved just it. Watching if Eckler was actually going to be the one who got the touchdown. When they threw it, Peyton was like so psyched that the pass play did not work. So that they had another chance for Austin Eckler. It was hilarious. That's how excited we were about the game last night. It's like we were just being excited about individual <laughs> plays because like the whole thing on a whole, it was just not nearly as exciting as what you wanted a Tough Monday watch. night football game to Tough be. Hopefully we will better talk things are more ahead. about the Chargers defense this week because they are no longer the cupcake that they were for much of the season. Ooh, yeah, legitimately impressive performance last night. Daniel, your Lions, Detroit Lions, grab them this travel week. to L.A. to play the Chargers this upcoming weekend. Yep. Four o'clock feeling? game. I feel pretty good about it. I, uh, you, I guys, def- you should feel good every week. You have a yeah. very good team coming yeah. in six and two. I feel confident. Actually, I did not realize this until this morning, but we are uh, one and a half point favorites on the road traveling west. Wonder if that line was determined before last night. It was not. It was not. That was after. Okay. Yeah. yeah. There you have it. So I am interested to see how that one plays out because that'll Usually be a, big a one. team gets a point and a half now in Vegas uh, for maybe we can we can continue to check it. Uh, ESPN bet now available by the way. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Ryan's courtesy ESPN bet, right uh, but usually get about a point and a half. Um, so I wonder if uh, so that that would mean that that would imply the Lions are a three point favorite. Yeah, actually, in a neutral field. In a neutral field, yeah, that would be a big one. All right, let's talk injuries. All right, let's move forward. Closing the book on Week Nine, moving ahead to Week Ten. Stefania, we're going to start with Jamar Chase. Let's- who has a back injury, landed kind of weird on the field. Everyone got a little bit nervous because of the way that he landed. Did not look good. Obviously, it's Jamar, so he's a wide receiver that everybody loves. What can you tell us about this injury? Uh, yeah, he was uncomfortable. It was, it was obvious that he was uncomfortable. And if you saw the way he went down, I'm, I'm clearly he was going to be sore. I mean, this is now what they're calling him day to day because of soreness. Of course he was. He could <laughs> he barely be sore. walk yeah. after that. Zach Taylor said it did get worse as the game went on. But here's the good news. I mean, he hung in there, you yeah. know, and I, as far as I would, I would project that you're going to see him limited, or maybe miss some early practice or calling him day to day. But this feels like something where we didn't hear about any discussion of any additional imaging. We didn't uh, hear that they were waiting for further evaluation. And he was actually talking to reporters saying he thought he would be fine, although he was pretty sore. He kind of did the I just want to get healthy for my teammates and they'll do what they need to do. And people got nervous reading into it. I wouldn't yet. I think there's a decent chance he's back this week. Here's the good news. As we know from during the early portions of the season, Jamar Chase is a known medical expert. When yes. he was saying, you know something, Joe, take a little time. Well, we take, need you for the weeks. important games. So yeah. when Jamar addresses the media <laughs> this week, he'll tell us everything we need to know. And I hope, and it sounds like there's a very good chance. I'll say, yeah, I'll see you Sunday. 
That's against what the I Texans. Want. Yeah. That's what we're all hoping for. Ooh, against the Texans. This could be a shootout. Ooh, I, I, I would love to see oh this go back and forth. Speaking of, you know, poor CJ Stroud, I mean, had the most brilliant rookie performance and just got just the fact that Josh Jobs did what he did. I felt like it took a little of the shine off yeah. CJ Stroud's attention, which he really deserved for having Absolutely. just an we'll amazing do, yeah. performance. Yeah. So. All right, another wide receiver here, Christian Watson, Stefania, dealing with a chest yeah, and a like- back injury. And he went into the concussion protocol. Well, so here's what happened. He was not diagnosed with a concussion when he was taken to the locker room. But what happened was uh, Matt LaFleur said Monday he was still being evaluated. And this happens often when a player uh, gets brought in for concussion evaluation. Even if they're cleared to return, they're always checking with them after the game again on Monday, just making sure there are no follow-up symptoms. So that's why Matt LaFleur said what he did uh, yesterday, that he was still being evaluated. Keep an eye on his progression. That's also why he was not available to talk to reporters yesterday. They're just kind of following that out because it happened very late in the game, so they want to give him some time. Um, Let's remember, he missed the first three games of the season with a hamstring injury. He's had a knee issue that's cropped up. Now this... Fair to say he's offed on the injured report. He is. I was wondering if Christian Watson is out, does that mean like an auto spike for Romeo Dobbs? This is interesting to me. In games this season in which Christian Watson has been on the field, Romeo Dobbs has enjoyed a 21% target share. In games in which Christian Watson has been off the field, he's enjoyed a 21% target share. (laughs) So I thought there might be a stock up element for Romeo Dobbs. The numbers so far this season in two legit sample sizes suggest Probably not. And not really. as we've talked about plenty with this chart of this uh, Packers offense, if you want to trust them, be my guest. Good luck. I'd rather not. Yeah, I would rather not start one of these wide receivers if I can help it this week. Let's move ahead and talk about the Indianapolis Colts. Stefania Josh Downs came into this game with a knee injury and then ended up hurting that knee in the game. What can you tell us about him? You know, sometimes guys are questionable coming in and they play and then this happens. They get hurt. Uh, it gets worse. We saw that happen with Josh Palmer. He ultimately uh, went out and is going to be out for a while. Yep. But in this case, we don't know the severity of it. We just know that it aggravated the knee issue that Josh Downs came in with. Here's what's interesting about the Colts is they play in Germany this week. Mm. So it makes you wonder if they already know that he's unlikely to play, will he even travel with yep. the team? We were all wondering the same thing. Uh, like we saw with Clyde edwards Lair last week. That was the example I used yesterday because the Chiefs just said, no, he's out on like Thursday when they flew, he's out for the game. Uh, If he is unavailable, Josh Downs, and you're looking for a super deep league flyer, the answer would probably rest in the form of Isaiah McKenzie. He was much busier after the Josh Dobbs injury, Josh Downs injury. Uh, The the numbers uh, are not maybe as rosy as I was hoping they were. However, the game was a little bit weird. The the injury took place mid-game for Josh Downs. So we saw an uptick in overall utilization for Isaiah McKenzie, but the two busiest Colts wide receivers in terms of routes run on Sunday were, of course, Michael Pittman and Alec Pierce, who continues to play every down in the very much Marquez Valdez Scantling role. That's what he is. Two targets, zero catches, 28 routes run on the various dropbacks from Gardner Minshew. Wow. Wow. All right. Hopefully we can move a different direction there rather than looking at another Colts pass catcher. I'm not really going to trust uh, Isaiah McKenzie until I see it a little bit more. Like you said, deeper flex, deeper league play. It would have to be from that standpoint. Yeah. Let's talk about Cam Akers. Stefania, the only Vikings running back to score a rushing touchdown this year, unfortunately came up with an Achilles injury. What can you tell us about him? Yeah, this is really sad. I mean, everything Cam Akers did in 2021 to come back from that Achilles rupture. And when the Rams were making a run in the playoffs, he comes back. I think it was late in the season and provides a spark. And at that point, He had been perhaps the quickest to return uh, from an Achilles repair. Uh, You know, that record (laughs) could could change this year. We shall see. But in any event, to have him tear the opposite side uh, just a couple years later, it's such a devastating blow for an athlete. I I don't know if people really can appreciate these guys who have an injury that's career-threatening. I mean, obviously now we see guys come back from Achilles ruptures in ways that we did not before. It is not a death sentence. But players talk about it being very difficult to get their explosiveness back. We saw Cam Akers the following season even struggling to start to look like himself. And then obviously for various reasons didn't work out in L.A., but it took a while. And the Vikings were really happy with what they were getting from him. And it felt like he was finding his groove. And now to have that same injury on the opposite side, it's just I really feel for him. I have to imagine he'll be going back to Los Angeles. Dr. Elitrosh did his first 
uh, repair, which is significant if you've been following the Aaron Rodgers saga, J.K. Dobbins, uh, Tredavious yeah. White, all of them going to Los Angeles to get their repair. So at least he would have some group rehab that he could do. But uh, wish him well. Very, very tough blow for him as a running back. Not great, unfortunately. So maybe some stock up for Alexander Madison. We'll talk about him a little bit later on in the week field when we t- touch on our rankings. Yep. Let's talk about Darren Waller, Stefania. First off, we found out this Giants team, Terod Taylor is out. Daniel Jones, unfortunately, also now put on Oof. IR. And Darren Waller now on IR with a hamstring injury. It just keeps getting worse for the New York football Giants. I think the thing here with Darren Waller, so there, there's a couple key points. One is that this is... Um, not the same hamstring injury that sidelined him last year when he was with the Raiders and caused him some issues coming into the season. This Does that is, make it better or worse? Like you uh, never want to re-aggravate? It's just, it's just different. I mean, okay. it's a it, it's a great question because if you thought it was the same one that was chronic, you start wondering, is he ever going to get over it? Right. But uh, to have it be on the opposite side creates a problem for an athlete because they're like, oh, wait, I just got this one side better. Now the opposite side is a problem. Mm. It can really make them apprehensive about wanting to open up that stride because it's like, I just dealt with this on one side. You, If you were listening to Darren Waller talk, he before he went on injured reserve, he said, look, I, I dealt with this before and it took quite some time. Like there's no way he's going to rush. So if you look at the schedule, uh, they have a bye in week 13. So by the time you add the four games, as soon as he could come back would be week 14. Okay. And even that to me is uncertain. And then you've got to get him comfortable with that leg and opening up again. And if you're looking at the schedule for fantasy, that's where you're hitting the fantasy playoffs. And I would be awfully nervous about looking to count on him at a time where he might be just trying to figure out what he can do as far as the hamstring. Because at that point, I'm not just going to need to be comfortable with Darren Waller returning. I'm going to need to be comfortable with whoever's throwing him the football at that point. There's the entire offense. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, Brian Dayball stopped short of guaranteeing that Terod Taylor will be back this season. So wouldn't surprise me if it's the Matt Barkley show sooner than later with Tommy DeVito, obviously. Uh, right now, the most certain thing at quarterback, but certain is a very um, Loose. liberal use of Loose. certain in that case. And by yeah. the way, no matter what ends up happening as far as the Giants decide to do with Daniel Jones, I think in some odd way, and you hate to see him go out with an ACL injury, but that neck injury was not insignificant. And so at least this affords him the time to really recover one, right? from the spine injury yeah. uh, while he's doing his ACL rehab. The whole thing's a mess. The franchise uh, is going to be at a real crossroad this offseason with some very, very difficult situations, uh, decisions to make. Um, and those involve some of the players that we just mentioned in the form of both Darren Waller and Daniel Jones because uh, they Two may have seven. It. Two and seven. They may have a top five pick. Yeah. And uh, as we discussed yesterday, while Mike would easily move off of the quarterback and just draft somebody else, I don't think it's that easy. Uh, but the Giants may have to face that reality at some point Oof. in April. Yeah, that's a big one. All right. Those were like the injuries that we were not excited to talk about. Thank you for getting us through that, Stefania. Now we're going to talk about some guys that we are excited about, maybe coming back to our fantasy team. So this is is the fun part of the show. We saved this for the second half of the injury report. Let's talk about James Conner, who has been out on IR with a knee injury. Is there a chance that you think we see him back here in week 10? Definitely. The practice window will open up. And Jonathan Gannon was talking about being excited to have James Conner back and he said his quote was that James Conner is quote ready to go and quote excited to get back and that was last Wednesday so that was before the practice window opened he will be out there this week with the potential return of his quarterback I expect to see James Conner out there against Atlanta don't forget he's played four full games this season what do they do in those four full games top 20 and three out of those four was 60 total touches. We talked about it coming into the season, the least sexy RB two of all yep. time. Yep. That value gets it done right back to where things were at the beginning of the season in week 10. Would love to see him and Kyler Murray available against the Falcons. Tough matchup though, obviously with Atlanta being so, so good against opposing running backs in fantasy this season, yeah. but no better friend to a quarterback who's coming back off of ACL injury than to have a player like James. Totally. Conner. Yes. I just realized something now. The Falcons aren't only good at limiting opposing <laughs> running backs Uh-oh. in fantasy. Yeah. They're actually good at limiting their own running back All in running fantasy backs. as well. They might actually yes. be better at the latter. They might be. <laughs> For as good as they are at defending opposing running backs in fantasy, they're that much better at defending their own running back in fantasy. Did oh, we discuss that Arthur Smith shaved his mustache? We did uh, discuss it. That was it. after the show yesterday. There's Big been a cat. lot of Arthur Smith jargon on this show over I the past couple of days. I just wonder if that means it's a sea change is coming. 
You know, something's you know? defying me as much as I would like that to be the case. <laughs> I'm not counting on it. I think I saw the uh, the Roto World uh, headline blurb today. Uh, it said Arthur Smith quote Bijan is really affecting guys. I think it was, I'm sorry. Bijan is really affecting guys quote away from the ball. Like like he's oh, a freaking basketball great. player. Like <laughs> yes. this is Steph Curry creating cool. space for others because he's spacing the floor. My God, what are we doing here? What are we doing? All right, let's talk about another quarterback here, Justin Fields. <laughs> Stefania. Are we going to be able to have Justin Fields back under center, understanding we got Patrick Mahomes, Tua, and Jalen Hurts all on by this week? I don't think so. Look, it's a Thursday night game. They're not really practicing this week. This is a week of walkthroughs. And okay. yes, um, look, there's a clip out there that our colleague Courtney Cronin posted where Justin Fields is talking to reporters. And I thought, you know, props to him. He was very forthcoming, very candid and open talking about the uh, Things he's having to adjust to. He's wearing a glove on that hand because it means his thumb doesn't have to work as hard to grip the ball. And just some of the things that he's been uh, doing and trying to rehab his thumb to get back. But he still doesn't sound like someone who's quite there in terms of readiness to play. And you got to remember, it's not just gripping the football with your thumb to be able to throw the ball effectively. It's that you just need to have good ball control when you're carrying it, when you're a runner, what happens if you land on the ground? Uh, Remember, he dislocated his thumb. That was the original injury. And while the MRIs came back clean, according to him, which is good, that's why there was no requirement for surgery right away. It is often the case that after you stretch the capsule and those ligaments with a dislocation, it's easier to do it again. Mm. So the things that put you at risk um, are falling taking hits to the hand and don't think opposing defenses aren't going to like punch the ball, swipe at your hand, swipe at your hand when you're trying to throw. So it makes sense to me to keep him under wraps a little bit longer. Thursday night seems pretty early. Uh, Even with three quarterbacks that are established fantasy stars on a bye this week, Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, and Tua Tungo-Vailoa, I still don't know that Justin Fields is a lock to crack my top 10 because I don't know what we're going to get out of Justin Fields if he does play. And I'm not talking about because of the thumb. I'm talking about because of the season he's had. Yeah. In his past three starts, he was top three in two of those with an absolute crud performance. Otherwise, it has been a year of yo-yo play for Justin Fields. Uh, why this Bears future at quarterback is such an uncertainty and why a team that might have two of the top three picks in the draft hmm. could very well end up being one of the locations for a Drake May. Or I just want to make a quick mention because we're on the Thursday night game. He's not on our list, but Khalil Herbert, I expect to come back yes, this week. He He's been missing from a high ankle yeah. sprain, um, listed as a full participant in their projections during the walkthrough. So anticipate that he will be there Thursday night, which crowds their backfield a little bit. It does. And I will say this, while he was really trending up prior to the injury, because Deontay Foreman's played so well of late, I don't think Deontay Foreman gets relegated back to timeout, which is where he was prior to the Khalil Herbert injury. I yeah. think this becomes a three-man committee as opposed to sort of a two-man committee, which is what we have seen over the past few weeks without Khalil Herbert. I would like nothing to do with this Bears offense if Justin Fields is not under center, especially on a short week playing Thursday night football. They have yeah, not more to looked good. Yeah, yeah we'll not, talk yeah. about that a little bit more. All right, Stefania, let's talk about Justin Jefferson. Yes. He has been on IR working through a hamstring injury. Coach uh, Kevin O'Connell said that the team is working through his return to practice, getting him back in with the team. What can you tell us about what just where Justin Jefferson is at? I know, I know Field knows one of my favorite lines, which is return to practice, return to play is not equal to return to performance. That's Correct. Right. Yeah. And so when you're getting somebody back, especially from a significant enough hamstring injury to cost you a month, clearly he's been working on the side. That's all great, but it's not football activity. So mm-hmm. when you get back into practice, you're just starting to test it. And we've seen, if you look around the league at other players who've come back from significant hamstring injuries, sometimes it takes a bit longer to get up to performance level. And what they don't want to do is be one of those statistics that's about a 30% recurrence rate Mm -hmm. of injury on these hamstrings because they don't want to then lose Justin Jefferson for another stretch of multiple weeks, which is, if you recall Keenan Allen last year, that's what happened when he tried to come back. He was in for like four plays and then out. So uh, monitor the practice reports carefully, see what he's doing. There's all kinds of metrics that they look at where they can tell if they're pushing a player in terms of acceleration, how much volume of work he's doing. Not that they're going to share the metrics with us, but you mm-hmm. can interpret a lot based on what they're doing in practice. If it's not this week, 
I think it'll be soon. He it sounds like he's making great progress, but I just wouldn't anticipate that he automatically is back this week. Uh, Kevin O'Connell may not necessarily be quite Sean McVay or Mike Tomlin in terms of his transparency, but he does tip his hands pretty regularly. And I would say that uh, if they felt like he was a certainty to practice this week, I think Kevin O'Connell's stance might have been a lot more positive than it was. Um, it wasn't a negative outlook that he that he provided that Stefania just shared. But um, it kind of, to me, I read the tea leaves very clearly as not quite there yet. Sure, yeah. We're They're excited. Kind of working you know, we're five it. and four, yeah. but uh, I'd be surprised if you see him in week 10. I think that's what my thought was, understanding this is more of like a football conversation. But this Vikings team being five and four, having lost Kirk Cousins and then being able to get a guy like Josh Dobbs to come in great and jet. help them. This would he would he would have been a great jet field, yes. And I would have rather had him there than be in my division Same. after Kirk Cousins. You guys got are hurt. freaking NASA's like Junkie. Wouldn't that, like, I mean, jet the good? Jetwood logo would have been oh, so perfect. Cool. He's an aerospace so engineering major who carried a 4.0. Yeah. I mean, just think about that. Which, That's twice which, my GPA. Me, think about that. But it's just, it's arrows. There's pictures of him in a, in a NASA suit. <laughs> yeah. Like, think about all the things that people couldn't believe that he did. Mm-hmm. That's why intelligence matters at that position. The processing that he did, like getting explanations of what the plays were as they're going into the play sequence. It's just nobody could expect anyone could do it because it takes a guy with this kind of intelligence. Mm. I'll tell you someone who expected that to happen. So my buddy, Kurt, who's in our uh, Michigan (laughs) men chat, uh, he's done a bunch of live stuff with us before Mm -hmm. Kurt Vanamos. He's in a uh, show league, excuse me. He's in a league, a work league with a bunch of his buddies. And one of the guys he was playing against this week, unfortunately, did not change his lineup. So you're it's like, oh, I'm going to crush him this week. Well, he left Josh Dobbs in at quarterback. Kurt lost by 10 fantasy points because his opponent started a quarterback that wasn't even supposed to play. That's unbelievable. That's fantasy that's football. You know how frustrating that is? Life. That Ugh. is so... That's so you good. That? Oh my God. Kurt, he's I'm going so sorry for you, buddy. starting the week like, I've so got this. He's I've got, got this. no quarterback. He's, got, he's not even starting a quarterback. Josh Dobbs isn't going to play and then boom. Man, what do you Listen. do? Josh Dobbs out here just crushing everybody. But, but I'll also, tell you I think this does give, you know, the Vikings... Remember, we talked about Justin Jefferson, his return, like... Uh, what do we do? What if the yeah. Vikings aren't winning? What if they don't, you know, what are they going to do without Kirk Cousins? Well, it's almost like it gives them the luxury because yep. they can be excited about Justin Jefferson coming back, but they've been winning. So they don't need, it's not like they need him back to save the day. Yeah. They can bring him along and feel very comfortable about what they're doing, just the way the team is going. It, it works out. This scenario, which looks so dire when Kirk Cousins went down. It looks remarkably different because of what it's transpired sure. in the time since. Think about where the Vikings fans have been emotionally on this roller coaster. They lost Justin Jefferson. They felt terrible. They lost Kirk Cousins. They felt terrible. Guys, you're five and four. Number two in the NFC North, the playoff picture. You're, you've got a shot to be able to be there with the way that you went out and grabbed Josh Dobbs. Again, a thing that the Jets probably should have done. If the Vikings did this, why didn't the Jets do That's this? That's just one example, Daniel. <laughs> okay. I'm going to right. stop short of saying anything else because... It's frustrating. It's frustrating. All right, we're going to pay some bills, come back and talk about some Week 10 waivers. Field Jays, I'm going to start. Okay. No matter what team you're rooting for, there's one thing we can all agree on. It's that football season brings us together. A connection like that deserves to be celebrated with a light beer that's just as great and at just 96 calories a can. Miller Lite is the only light beer that you will want to celebrate with all season long. Because with a Miller Lite in your hand, football doesn't just taste great. It tastes like Miller time. From kickoff till final whistle, you can't go wrong with a Miller Lite in your hand. It's the only light beer that's that with a taste worthy of our national obsession. Because what's the point of having a beer if it doesn't taste like beer? I don't Make know. it a Miller time all season long. Get Miller delivered right to your door. Visit MillerLite.com slash FFF. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere they se- that sells beer. S- celebrate responsibly. Milwaukee Brewing, was co- Milwaukee Brewing Company. Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. Are you overwhelmed by insurance? Always feel. Make it easy. Get all your insurance in one place with Geico. Plus, get 24-7 claim support and on-the-go policy access with the award-winning Geico mobile app. See how easy insurance can be and go to geico.com. You can also level up your game day with Vivid Seats and get great tickets to the biggest games of the year. Plus, with Vivid Seats rewards, you can score free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and an annual birthday discount, plus more. They're the only ticket company in the game that rewards fans for every purchase. And as the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code FFF. 
That is code FFF for Fantasy Focus Football. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. All right, we're going to dive into our Week 10 waivers. Before we dive into the options, I just want to share uh, a little stat with you because we're going to start with quarterbacks. Okay. And we we talked about this a little bit on Fantasy Football Now, just how many starting quarterbacks we've gone through. Yes, we did. Did you know that heading into week nine, 51 different quarterbacks had played. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Think about that. That's almost double the number. 46 different starters. And this week, Kyler Murray will be 47 if he indeed starts. Incredible. Mm -hmm. That is incredible. Yeah. Is is that number high from past years? Do we know where that? Okay. Yeah, it's up. um, I think I shared that on Fantasy Football Now. Thanks for listening, Daniel. But I think it was up over 30%. In terms of the numbers who have started through this point of the season. Wow. Yeah, brutal. That's crazy. Something to think about. You know, it could be an aberration um, because it's more. But yeah, Mm -hmm. aberration. Emphasis on the A. A Aberration. (laughs) Um, But I think when we get into talking about next year, I think a lot more leagues are going to start looking at you going to roster two quarterbacks no matter what your league is, because chances are you're going to need to sub in a quarterback. At I, some thought, point. I thought that really shined through even this year in drafts because yep. of just mm-hmm. how bad the quarterback play was last year. Not talking about injuries, but because mm-hmm. of the Brady's and the Stafford's and the Wilson's and the guys that really struggled last season, Aaron Rodgers. I saw a lot more double dipping at quarterbacks uh, in drafts this year. Field, I'm trying to pull up a tweet that you had. You might be able to do it faster. Hold oh, on. okay. The teams that are on the buy right now this week? Yeah, can you go through all the teams that are Here on the buy? Here are the players or teams <laughs> that are on buy this week. Let's talk about the players specifically. And this is not comprehensive, but it is very much tied to the fantasy relevant players in week 11 that will be unavailable. By position, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, Tua Tungo Vailoa, Tyreek Hill, A.J. Brown, Cooper Cup, Puka Nakua, Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, Raheem Mostert, Obviously, Kyron Williams and Devon Achan are both on IR, but they're also both out for this week. DeAndre Swift, Isaiah Pacheco, Travis Kelsey, and while he could be headed to IR anyways, Dallas Goddard as well on a bye this week. Ugh. A juggernaut of a bye week. This is awful. So looking at the quarterback situation, first things first, Kyler Murray needs to be someone that everybody at least looks at. Is Kyler Murray available on your waiver wire is he still he currently is. available yeah. to be on your IR slot, even though he is scheduled to make this start field? Do you he know? He is, yes, until the team activates him uh, to the roster, which is on Wednesday. He okay. will remain an O. At that point, you would have to do some roster juggling, depending on if you have somebody else that is not available to go to your IR spot, but he's available in 65% of leagues. Last season, he was the seventh highest scoring quarterback on a points per game basis. He had the seventh most rushing yards amongst all quarterbacks last year, and he played basically 10 games. Mm -hmm. So Kyler Murray missing a third of the season, more than that, was still the seventh highest rushing quarterback. Questions do remain about how much he'll run upon Mm -hmm. returning from this ACL tear. That being said, if he even runs half as much as he did last year, that gives him a reasonable floor and... We've seen Josh Dobbs have some pretty darn good weeks this year with this this Arizona passing offense. So I would not write off the possibility that Kyler Murray has like top 10 or 12 upside in a weekly basis going forward on yeah. a weekly basis on a weekly forward. basis going yeah. forward may start out slow. We're going to ha- like lowered expectations for this first week. Stefania yeah, as you've already like said back 12 though this week, yeah. like it's hard because of those guys that are on by or guys that have bad matchups. Like, and the thing is, Deshaun it's Watson, more important that him. he yeah, has um, just bad for matchup. him progressing, that he has mobility in and around the pocket. Kind of like what we saw that Joe Burrow lost when he had the calf injury. So if Kyler can do that, that will help build his confidence. That will allow him to, freely run a little bit better and i expect that his rushing totals will go up once he's back for two three weeks sure so if you have a patrick mahomes if you have a tua if you have a jalen hurts and you don't want to start kyler murray or you can't grab him field is there one of these next couple quarterbacks a baker mayfield a josh dobbs a taylor heineke someone that you would want to prioritize on the waiver wire here in week 10 so i guess we can rip through them i have baker mayfield ranked highest amongst these three but it's a really close matchup between he and josh dobbs mayfield has been a top 11 quarterback in four of his past five outings. He has at least 275 passing yards or two passing touchdowns in six of his eight games this season. They draw the Titans, a defense that um, has not been nearly as good 
stopping the pass as it has been defending the run. Yep. Josh Dobbs not far behind. Did you know that Josh Dobbs is now second in the NFL amongst quarterback rushing yards behind only Lamar Jackson? Stop so it. the floor there for Josh Dobbs is obviously uh, much higher than it would be for a lot of other quarterbacks. Taylor Heineke on the radar, mostly because of the matchup against Arizona. While I was hopeful that he would unlock a lot more in that Atlanta passing offense this past week, I thought Heineke was very much just average this past Sunday uh, for the Falcons filling in for Desmond Ritter. Yeah, he definitely felt handcuffed by the, that Arthur Smith offensive feel a little bit. I'm just going to keep going. I just can't. I just, I'm so frustrated. I'm not the only one. I know I'm you not know, the only one no, that's frustrated. You know, Bijan is from Arizona and that's where they play this weekend. And the Falcons just posted a, a story, a feature on their website about how he had just ridiculous production during his high school career. And it was, you know, Bijan return, returns home. And the replies were about what you'd expect from them. <laughs> Falcons fans, not happy. I can imagine. I'm going to read this tweet. It has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but this comes from Kevin Knight. I was. Go ahead. I'll say it after. <laughs> Bills rookie tight end Dalton Kincaid had 11 targets and 10 receptions this week. Lions rookie tight end Sam Laporta had 10 targets three times so far this season. Kyle Pitts in three years has two games with 10 targets and has not had 10 receptions once in spite of that. Oh, it is frustrating. Listen. Frustrating. All right. So I'm with you, though. Looking at this quarterback situation field, I would have Baker Mayfield. Assuming I can't grab Kyler Murray, I would have Baker Mayfield and then Josh Dobbs. Josh Dobbs is just so good. I want to talk about that guy yeah. a bunch. He has four top eight finishes already so this year. Does Josh Dobbs. Four top eight finishes already. That's unreal. And one of them, of course, came in a game in which he was the backup quarterback. <laughs> so uh, to say that there is some upside with his legs is the understatement, understatement. of the show. Yeah. Let's talk about some wide receivers because yeah. we saw Tank Dell look fantastic so <laughs> Let's far. Let's go over to Houston and get some Dude. wide receivers. Yeah, just grab anybody that's I available. Noah over there. Brown on a lark, just to put someone in where I, I had like half my team on by, and hey, that it was ugly, good and yourself. I lost anyway. But the Noah Brown thing, I was it like, did. look at it him. Did. So let's. Uh, there are four receivers that are on our note here, Daniel. I can kind of make the case for them or each of them within sort of one uh, rip here. Tank Dell available in forty four percent of leagues. So. A little more, a little more than fifty percent. Yeah, yeah uh, a little less than fifty percent, I guess. But uh, he's the upside play only because, like, I think he is the combination of the best talent plus the best quarterback amongst the available wide receivers. Noah Brown, you know, I think I'd probably tread lightly there. It was one amazing yeah. game, but that was really a hail mary desperation play that worked out for those that followed Stefan his lead and grabbed him off the waiver wire. Pop Douglas, Demario Douglas for the Patriots has um, you know one of the clearest roles amongst the wide receivers that are available. He's going to play more snaps than any other Patriots wide receiver. Yep. The floor is uh, decent. The ceiling is obviously not nearly what it is for Tank Dell because the Patriots offense is so bad again. Uh, and then Jackson Smith in Jigba, who uh, had another game with six catches this past week. The thing with Njigba is that obviously he is still very clearly wide receiver three on his own team. So it feels like with Njigba, you're kind of, guessing the right weeks for him more than knowing that you should be starting him in a given week. Yeah, that one's been tough for me, Jackson Smith and Jigba, in part because the Seahawks have just not been the same team that they were last year. I mean, DK Metcalf has yeah. had some lowered expectations. Tyler Lockett, I think, has been lowered expectations this year. And so we came in hoping that we were going to see JSN be a nice third part of this offense. It's some good and some bad here. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he has seven There's targets in two of his past three games. However, he has not cleared 63 yards in the game this season. So if you are grabbing Jackson Smith and Jigba, it might be a bit more of a floor play than it is a ceiling play. And if you're the kind of team that is down Jalen Hurts and Cooper Cup or some combination of those various stars that we talked about that are on by this week, you might very much need the home run play and not the floor play. So, yeah, I was just going to say another reason Seattle wide receivers are hard to read is there's been a lot going on with all three of them. Jackson Smith and Jigba had that surgery on his wrist. Mm -hmm. And when he first came back, like he was struggling with some things that had nothing to do with catching the ball, uh, blocking and, and just he, he was not 100 percent for a while. So pretty tough to start to get integrated when you're not even operating at 100 percent. Uh, we know that DK Metcalf has been playing banged up off and on, finally seems to be healthy. But Tyler Lockett, I do think the hamstring issue has slowed him down a bit because he just hasn't looked like himself even when he's been out there still getting targets, but uh, not the same player. So it's kind of hard to judge because I don't feel like they've all been operating at mm -hmm. uh, their best. And then 
you know, their offense as a whole has some other challenges. But I wouldn't judge a lot by what happened this last week. And it's week, I mean, we're heading into week 10. Your waiver wire gets pretty thin on guys if you're looking for consistency at this point. That's one of the things with Tank Dell. I love Tank Dell. He's one of the wide receivers that we've seen do some things here. But he has three games over 20 fantasy points. He has four games under nine fantasy points. He has nothing in between there. So he has got some boom bust in him. And that's actually all of the Houston Texans wide receivers. Yeah. And I think though with Tank Dell, the one thing that I would note is that while he has been very yo-yo so far this season, when a guy is this early in his career, only eight games into it, you're saying to yourself, okay, could one big game be the start of the run, right? Could one career day be the catalyst for a great second half of the season? And if you're betting on a young quarterback in the NFL right now, certainly amongst the first and second year players, maybe even amongst the first, second and third year players, it's pretty clearly CJ Stroud. CJ Stroud. Yep. I'm with you on that. All right. Let's talk about some running backs. One. Well, yeah, it's really just one guy. (laughs) Keaton Mitchell. Looked fantastic in limited usage. Didn't get a ton of run. And that's the one thing I want to say. This There was not a lot of volume, but he certainly made a count this week, Field. Nine carries, 138 yards, and a touchdown. This guy can freaking fly. He was a, a draft guru's favorite during the pre-draft process, despite the fact that he ended up going undrafted. I think some of the draft Twitter enthusiasts were rewarded for their optimism. He also might very well be third in line for running back snaps on his own team. Yeah. So you have to make a decision of what you're willing to roll the dice on. Uh, He is definitely a player to add because Gus Edwards has been really, really good recently. But um, I think Keaton Mitchell adds something different to this offense that Gus Edwards does not provide. Uh, But I would not be starting Keaton Mitchell this week. No, just an add 20 snaps last week. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how can you? This is shades to me of Jaleel McLaughlin in the sense that like bring something different to the table that the offense does not necessarily have in droves. In Denver, though, A, Javante's played better, and B, like that's an offense that kind of needs a boost. If you're in Baltimore right now, like you're seven and two, you might be the best team in the NFL, at least the AFC. Like, do you really need to change the formula right now? Because it seems to be working pretty darn well. They also, I mean, is there any team that does the running back by committee more than Baltimore? Oh my and God. the Certainly, thing is, you yeah, know, you know the uh, Twitter got coach speak in there. Yes, yeah. I, I now I'm like, go right there as soon as they, ha- they have their coaches press conferences, especially when they're talking about utilization rotation. And turns out that Harbaugh is pretty... Um, pretty highly rated in terms of when he's talking about utilization. And he was right out there saying, it's going to be, you know, by committee. Mm. We're going to rotate them around. You know, everything he said was like, yep, this is what they do in Baltimore. There is not somebody who's going to grab the reins and that's going to be be their guy. guy. Not anymore. But we do know that if it's near the goal line, it's going to be Gus Gus Edwards. And we also know that this team rarely throws the football to running back. So there are a couple... There are more than a couple mitigating factors as it pertains to Keaton Mitchell's week 10 outlook specifically. Yep. All right, let's talk some tight ends field. Kate Otten has had six or more targets in three straight games. We saw him have a huge game last week, six for 70 and two touchdowns. He looked looked really good. He looked awesome. Uh, He has 21 targets during that three-game stretch that you just referenced with at least six targets in each of those three games. Uh, pass, he's, he's, a, he's a good player. Like this, this is not to be confused with like Mark Andrews or something, but he is not. This is not, you know, with tight ends, uh, they do a, a very important job, but there are guys who are probably paid more for their blocking than they are for their pass catching. Mm. Kate Otten's a good player. Like he was a good prospect coming out of Washington. I like the player. This offense, as we mentioned in the context of Baker Mayfield, has actually been passing the football pretty well uh, in a week in which we have no Travis Kelsey and no Dallas Goddard uh, and I suppose no Tyler Higby. Uh, yes, Kate Otten, sort of in that, you know, high-end, tight-end two range. Right? Sure. 12 through 15, probably, in our week 10 rankings. Stefania, can you tee up the second name on the list? I don't think I'm allowed to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the guy who plays opposite Kyle Pitts. That's right. <laughs> what about Johnny Smith this week, guys? I mean, so this is the crazy <laughs> part, is that Johnny Smith was a non-factor in week eight. Comes back in week nine and was terrific. Mm-hmm. He has three top five finishes this year. <laughs> I'm not sure how many other players have three top five finishes at tight end. I guess, you know, certainly Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, probably because of how he's played recently, Dallas Goddard, TJ Hawkinson, Sam Laporta. The list is very, very narrow. But that's what Johnny Smith has done so far this season. Uh, and, and while I can't remember if I said this in Sunday's, uh, while we were sitting in the war room on Sunday or if it was uh, on Monday's show, for all the things that Arthur Smith has done poorly in terms of maximizing talent of his blue chip players. 
the one player, this was yesterday with Mike, that he has truly maximized is Johnny Smith. Johnny Smith. He's done an excellent job with Johnny Smith. It's just, you know, the other guys that really matter the most that he has not done an excellent job with. This feels like a personal thing. I, re- I really, he was with Johnny Smith in Tennessee. Oh, I they brought, he was one of the first free agency signings yeah. that happened. Yeah. Was Atlanta brought him there. He loves John New Smith. And now he's got it so that the quarterbacks are looking for him. What's because he's not being misutilized in New England. He's like, I can fix that. (laughs) Maybe, but I don't think anyone thought he was going to have the involvement in the passing game that he does. He's been excellent. Uh, He has done an excellent job with John New Smith. And John New is a freak athlete. He's He's one of the best yards after catch catch tight ends of the Mm -hmm. past half decade. So, um, excuse me. It has been uh, frustrating to to no end as it pertains to Kyle Pitts and Drake London and also Bajan Robinson, uh, but there's no two ways about this. Jonu Smith has been excellently deployed, if that's the right terminology there, so. uh, by the Falcons, and he is on the, the radar for tight ends. At yep. least four receptions in all but three games. In the first game, he had zero. He wasn't targeted at all. It looked yeah. like he really was going to be just this other blocking tight end, and then that all changed, but at least four receptions like that for a fantasy floor for a tight end. That's good. Really good. Oh my gosh. I don't know why he's yeah. not rostered. More. Well, by the way, uh, we'll see it's very early in the week, but Drake London did not practice at all last week. Yeah. So if we he's no out again, he yeah, we have yeah. no idea where he's at, but the fact that he didn't practice at all, at least seems to indicate the door is open to him missing week 10. If he misses week 10, John U. Smith would move that much further up the uh, the pecking order, so to speak, in that Falcons pass. Falcons game. have a buy in week 11, so if you do pick him up, you'll still need to replace Ooh, him in two weeks. That's actually good context, though, on Drake London, then, to me also, right? right. Like, if mm-hmm. he's not quite if he's, there, if he's, if he's close, yeah, maybe then. you just buy that extra week of rest. Not that the Falcons are afforded the luxury of, you know, just taking teams for granted, <laughs> but they play the Cardinals, who have the worst record in the NFL. If ever there was a time for your team to be sort of thinking ahead, this might be it. I want to say this because you mentioned it, Field. <laughs> Tight ends with three or more finishes inside the top five. Okay, Travis Kelsey, yep. TJ Hawkinson, yep. Mark Andrews, yep. Sam Laporta. Okay, got that one. Yep. Then it gets to Cole Komet and John Smith. That's it. Six of them. That's it. Cole Komet's been excellent I recently. Know, excellent. I know. Excellent. He's, about, he's just like, he's awesome just, in the red zone. Yeah. yeah. He's so big. He's such a, he's like a power forward in the red zone right now. And you know, now. you can't teach size like that. I've heard <laughs> you that. Can't you can't, that. Teach, you can't teach that. You can't teach that. You can't teach that. All right. Let's jump into a couple of risers and fallers here. Let's yeah. talk about a running back. I want to talk about Rashad White really quickly, if you don't yeah. mind, Field. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's been yeah, awesome. He's so been how about awesome. this? He's been terrific. He has been great. And so what was the narrative? Like the things that were concerning as it pertained to Rashad White coming into the season, there were two things. Yes. One was like incredibly poor efficiency as a runner last year. Yep. And the idea that, hey, and we joke about it with Mike, but like amongst all these starting running backs in the NFL, where would he rank? Is he a bottom five, bottom eight starter? Maybe. But the competition is so bad for carries right now in Tampa that he has continued to stave them off. And this, to me, is perhaps the most important part. He has become the check down king for this offense. Yep. Over the past three games, Rashad White has 17 catches on 17 targets. Of I think he has 23 total catches. No, 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 that's that's, that's the wrong number. 33? Do you have his total number right there? I don't have the total number. I have these over his last three. He's second amongst running backs in snaps, targets, receptions, and third in total touches, which is incredible. It's crazy. So think about this. He basically plays every snap for them. He has caught all but one of his targets this year. What that indicates is that it's all checkdowns, right? The designed targets are a lot more difficult to execute than the ones in which Baker's under pressure, and rather than throwing the ball deep, he just throws it three yards to Rashad White. So the efficiency as a pass catcher is elite. The overall utilization is elite. Yes, the rushing efficiency hasn't been great. I just don't know that it's enough to matter because the workload is just so good. Volume is so good. Twenty carries last week. Twenty, yeah. Twenty. It's one of the bright spots in fantasy this year for sure. Yeah, that's been. That has been one of the biggest things. He's getting a lot of volume field. You asked. He had 17 targets over the last three weeks. Turned that into 17 receptions over the last 17 three weeks. 17 for 17. So that That's is pretty, pretty good fantastic. Right yep. They are taking on a pretty good Titans defense. And we talk about this. They've yep. allowed the 11th fewest running uh, fantasy points to running backs because they're better at being you know taken advantage of through the air. So it could be a tough matchup. But given all this volume, I am all in on Rashad White this yep. week to continue to move up. I, I don't want to do this. 
but I'm going to because I feel like we've reached the point where we have to talk about it. <laughs> we have to. We don't have a choice. Taysom Hill, over this, the last four weeks, Field, yep. is tight end two behind yep. Travis Kelsey. Correct. And he's actually been more consistent than Kelsey. It's unreal. Say that out loud again. I don't. Taysom <laughs> Hill has been more consistent than Travis Kelsey over the past four weeks. Taysom it. Hill over the past four weeks, tight end six, tight end six, tight end four, tight end six. How about that? And the formula has changed halfway through <laughs> and it's still working. So in weeks six and seven, Taysom Hill, in the absence of Juwan Johnson, had 11 catches. Mm-hmm. Pretty good, right? For Pretty good. Tight end. Pretty, Pretty good, good for him, for sure. Yep. Over the past two weeks, with Juwan Johnson back, he's got 20 <laughs> rushing attempts, does Taysom Hill. He and had more he rushing attempts than Alvin Kamara, plus he's a touchdown <laughs> this past week. So he has 20 or more fantasy Juwan points yeah. in his last two games. <laughs> Daniel, I don't... I, I I said this a few weeks ago, like he's the scariest player in fantasy to face off against Taysom Hill because it only happens to you every so often, but you always fear the 20 point Taysom Hill game. The, the, the powder will eventually run dry. He will not continue to have 20 plus fantasy points in every game, but he should be added. He should be started in a week in which there are no Travis Kelsey or Dallas Goddard's available. Taysom Hill will be a top 10 fantasy option at tight end in week 10. How weird is that? I don't feel good about I feel I feel so not good about this because the way that he's getting to this production is so many different avenues. I don't feel confident that they're all going to continue. And yet he just keeps continuing with them. Like you said, he's breaking Mike's mold over and over and over again. But now it actually might be a little bit more in line with Mike's numbers. Right. Because in the past, what it was with Taysom Hill is he'd have like four rushes. But he turned those four rushes into like 50 yards and a touchdown. Or he turned four rushes into eight yards with two with touchdowns. touchdowns. Yeah. Now it's like more overall volume and important volume because he is a legitimate weapon inside the 10-yard line. Yeah. Because of the fact that he can stress you as a runner, he can stress you as a receiver, he can stress you as a thrower, this is going to sustain in some ways going forward. All right. I don't want to be a downer. I don't want to end the show on a down note, but I do want to ask about a faller here, someone that I think is starting to come down. I want to start with Zach Moss. We've been waiting for this. We've been waiting to be able to see it, and I think we finally got to a point last week we finally saw a much bigger share in this running game for Jonathan Taylor than we saw for Zach Moss. Have you reached the point in your rankings field where you are finally having Zach Moss far enough down that ideally you're not starting him unless you have to? Correct. And there are 42 million, why, 42 million, million reasons, reasons why yeah. I feel very confident in that, right? I mean, the Jonathan Taylor contract was reflective of a player that should be utilized as much as basically any other running back in the entire NFL in a given week. Yep. We finally saw the cutoff this past week of Zach Moss's fantasy relevance Absent something happening to Jonathan Taylor, but he played under 20% of the snaps in week nine. Did Zach Moss. Taylor played 75% of the snaps this past week. He had five catches to Moss's zero. Yeah. That's what you're looking for there. So unfortunately, he's like, uh, he's like a Zeke Elliott now going forward, right? Like he'll probably play 20 to 25% of the snaps, maybe 30% in a given week. But if he doesn't fall into the end zone, probably not going to be fantasy. He's not going to. That also makes me just think of Tyler Algier. I don't want to keep bringing it back to the Falcons, but it's like another guy that's just like, hey, man, you don't Same want deal. you don't yeah. want it to go to that guy. You'd rather give it to Bijan. But like, yeah, if Tyler gets in the end zone, that's how he's going to be able to sustain yep. some fantasy production for you. Uh, who else do you want to talk on in this list field? I'm going to let you choose the last one that we talk about. OK, so I'll just mention it quickly here because I, I see that there are some who are disappointed and. Um, I am not with Adam Thielen, but he had a down week last week. He like did? at some point uh, you, you figure like he was, it's, it's allowed for Adam Thielen to have like one poor day, but I am not concerned about Adam Thielen whatsoever. He had just six targets uh, in week nine, but since week five, he is wide receiver 16 and receiving yards. I mean, he's been awesome. Like he's been so, so good. Like Adam Thielen has exceeded all reasonable expectations this year. And, there's nobody there that has emerged and made me feel like, oh, like that guy's going to eventually take away snaps from Adam Thielen. The biggest concern is that the offense isn't that good. And I don't know, like it's way too early to be engaging in definitive arguments, whether the Texans um, stole CJ Stroud and, and Bryce Young is a total bust. That's not the point that I'm at right now. But Bryce Young has been poor for several games this season. He's also had some impressive performances that are better than the numbers would indicate, but he turned into a pumpkin this past weekend and it really, really hurt Adam Thielen. Um, Recently, he's been more prone to throwing a touchdown to the other team than he has been his own team. That's not good. 
I think it feels more down for Thielen than it actually is. Like as a fantasy it's one manager. Bad game. So you're you're right. Let me I'm just gonna go through this and you can you can still come at me. Okay. It's fine. All right. But starting in week two, twenty fantasy points. Yeah. Thirty one fantasy points, fifteen point two, twenty seven point seven, twenty eight point five. Like he was crushing it. Almost wide receiver one over yeah. that time frame. Then he went on a bye came back and had 15 fantasy points and then 7.9. So I think because of the buy and two games that have been lessened than like the 25 you yeah. saw, it just feels like lessened production because we got so spoiled by a 33 year old wide receiver right. playing so good so this you year. Thought you, just, you, thought, you thought you stole Jamar Chase in like round exactly. 13 yes. or something like that. And you're like, oh wait, never mind. I, I got like, there's an emotional side to it. I, I'm totally with you. I don't think that you, we need to be worried about it, but I think because he was so good so far coming out of that, that's, that's kind of where we're at. Maybe I'm wrong here for thinking this way. And maybe this makes me the outlier. But when a player is such a steal relative to draft value, to me, I look at the production, even like this late into the season when we've seen it for so long as like whatever I get from Adam Thielen, I can't complain about. Yeah. Because like I thought there was a chance that he would be cut but from my team by like week four. <laughs> right, right. Right. So it's the guys that you're taking in the first two or three rounds. It's like why I'm going to. I might have like gray hair by the end of the season if Devontae Adams and Cooper Cup don't turn around because like those guys, even Cooper Cup post injury, you know, in the preseason were were drafted high, right? And now they've both over the past few weeks turned into like guys you don't want to actually start. Those are the ones that gnaw at you for the full year. It's like Adam Thielen's mm-hmm. gravy for me. Gravy. For what it's worth, I do think you're going to look pretty handsome with some gray in you. Yeah. Should I try it? Yeah, just a little bit. I think yeah, a little salt and pepper. Off. I think you'll look good with it. Who Field. pulls off salt and pepper better than anybody else? I think this is a reasonable <sighs> question to end the show with. That is a good question. I feel like I, Cloney really, like he aged, I mean, he aged he great did, in a lot of he ways. He did really well. I was going to say, I don't think it's salt and pepper anymore, but okay. okay. <laughs> well, whatever. He started salt and pepper. He, whatever. He's great. It starts he's, there. He's yeah. Silver Fox now. Yeah. Is there a Silver Fox that comes to mind when I say Silver Fox? You're like that guy, that person pulls it off. I got to tell you, if there's one person that comes to mind, it's probably Papa Bell. He's got a, Oh yeah. That's what I think. of. Although, you know, it's receding great, but he wears a little ponytail. Well, yeah, that's, that's, which is exactly why it's so, my favorite. Yeah, yes. Awesome. That's so Papa good. Bell. Yeah. How about Steve Carell? Steve Carell looks pretty good. He does. Just, yeah. you know, throwing that Steve out there. Carell, Massachusetts own. All right. Okay. That's going to do it for us today. Thank you so much for hanging out with us, guys. We'll be back tomorrow, Wednesday. Dive into a bunch of our rankings here for Week 10. That's going to be a very fun show with Field Mike and I. We love you guys. Thank you for hanging out with us. Don't forget to love each other. Be kind to yourself. We'll see you tomorrow. Oh, and get in your waiver claims. Don't forget to do it. Do it. Don't fall asleep. asleep.